SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Hey everybody, this is Aaron Reese with Kansas City Star, uh, one of the Star's two Mizzou beat writers. I'm here with my partner, Alex Schiffer, uh, and we just are going to talk about what's been going on lately, because we haven't uh, done a podcast or a Facebook Live or anything like that in a while. So, here to talk about uh, John Jay Porter potentially leaving, uh, what's up with Mizzou basketball's recruiting and how that could affect that, and uh, spring football's winding to a close, so we'll, uh, we'll discuss that too. Um, what's up? What's going on? Uh, not much. I am I'm ready for spring football to be over. I gotta say. Uh, but um, but yeah. So I guess the last time we talked, or uh, we've talked since outside of podcasting. But last time we did one of these was uh, make well, it seem like we have uh, yeah, beat issues. Have, yeah, haven't seen haven't seen one another in months. Um, last time we did one of these uh, was like we thought Jonte was gonna leave. We didn't know for sure. Uh, shortly after Mike declared. Yes, shortly after Mike declared. Uh, but I guess this is. I mean. This is kind of what we thought was going to happen. So um, now, now it's happened. Now he's he's declared without signing with an agent, leaving open the chance of coming back. Uh, makes a lot of sense. I agree. I mean, I was thinking about it. I think it would have been more surprising if Jonte just flat out said, I'm coming back for a sophomore year. Like, there's no absolutely. conversation about it just because he is intriguing enough as a draft prospect. He absolutely showed flashes of being... More than what he was this year, you know, a consistent stat sheet stuff for triple-double threat, like a Draymond Green type of role in an offense. And, you know, I mean, look at the way the NBA is right now. You don't have to put up flashy numbers to be a high draft pick or a guaranteed draft pick. I mean, Jonathan Isaac didn't really average that much at Florida State, and he went like seventh to the Magic last year or something like that. And he was kind of deemed a bit of a project. And I just think a lot of these guys, that's that's the way the league is going, is that you either come in and are a, considered a one-and-done where you just, no matter what you put up, you have the intangibles that teams want. And I think there's another category that just is you have the potential to be something down the line. And if you show enough of that early on, you'll probably get someone to take a flyer on you at a reasonably high draft pick. So I don't blame him for testing the waters. And, and now it really kind of gets interesting to me now that he officially announced it. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that there's no one else, uh, someone in the NBA I talked to said this, like, there's no one else in the draft that's like him. Uh, like, that's the that's the big thing. That he's, got. he's got good two things going for him. Like He's unique, young. Unique skill set, and he's probably the youngest guy in the draft. If not the youngest, he's going to be one of the youngest. I guess we don't know for sure, because we don't know who's in there. And, and frankly, I haven't researched everyone who's testing the waters. But, yeah, I mean, he will certainly be one of the youngest guys. Um, and that's, that's a reason that... To me, I I could understand him not coming back to school and just sticking with this is because let's say he comes back and plays better and it's a weaker draft class, whatever. Like he's also opening himself up to a lot of risk uh, in terms of not just getting injured, but also yeah, he, family history yeah, with injuries yeah, isn't yeah, on his yeah, side. Yeah, Jante's the healthiest one right, out of all of them. Too, yeah, but no, but like not even just that. I mean, he's he would be. This past year, he was, like, more of the sort of complimentary role. When he played really well, they were really hard to beat. But, like, no one expected him to put up 20 and 9 every night or whatever. But 
next season when he came back, he would be relied on to do more offensively, kind of all around. And maybe that helps him. He flourishes and he improves his stock. Or maybe the same thing that happened this year happens again. And when he faces a more physical opponent, he kind of wilts away and goes 0 for 6 and has 4 rebounds and scores like 3 points. And if he does that more regularly when the spotlight is on him a bit more, then that doesn't really help him. And he's a year older. And he's still only 19. But, I mean, now he's no longer this sort of, like, shiny new thing. And people know a little bit more about him. The less people can know about you generally ends up working in your favor. Yeah. The NBA tends to like things that are not... Likes prospects that they don't really know much about. Which is another reason people argued Michael Porter when we shouldn't come back. Yeah, it um, reminds me of the guy the Raptors took a couple years ago from Brazil, like Bruno. Oh yeah, he's two years away from being two years away. Yeah, and like I remember the Ra- I remember Fran Fraschilla saying the Raptors were only like four NBA teams. It seemed like he was an absolute mystery. Right. The Greek freak was kind of a yeah, mystery. Right. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Wow, and uh, I practice. Yeah. yeah, but um, but you know, I, I think you make all reasonable points as to injury and injury and. His age being the two things that he has going for him right now. Injury being that he's, he's healthy. And aside from the game against Florida State, he kind of ended the season on a hot streak. I mean, he had like five or six straight games of at least 19 and 11. And he had a near triple-double against Vanderbilt. Granted, the Commodores didn't have like a true post presence to guard him. And he was the only one that looked good in that Georgia game that Michael Porter came back for. And he had a bad game against Florida State, but granted, no one really had a good game against right. Florida State, except for Cassius, maybe. And that's really... He, he ended the season on a hot streak, and that I, I agree with everything you said. And I, what, to me, is going to be the thing to watch with Jonte is, who are the teams inviting him to work out? You know, like, if the Warriors and the Celtics invite him to work out, like, okay, they're probably going to have picks at the end of the first round, like... That's probably the area where you see him going. If the Knicks, if help me out here with like middle of the road teams, if the Rockets invite him to work yeah. out like again, he's like, all right, you're thinking maybe that guy's end of the first round, right? right. But if, if it's the Kings, he should go back to school. Yeah, yeah, if, no, it, yeah if it's the right. Kings working him out, yeah, if it's like, the Magic, if it's the Hornets, right. um, you know, I think you kind of have to wonder. All right, well, like middle first round pick still, you know, was better in terms of money and everything, but. If it's you know, he needs time and he needs to not have pressure. He needs to go to a place where they have proven to develop talent. Yeah, and again, we're not NBA beat writers. I don't know who like. Yeah, I remember I the Nets I, last right. year only had like because they traded everything to the Celtics. They had like two second round picks. Like if it was that situation this year and like the Nets are working him out, it's like okay, that's a young rebuilding team. But like you're not gonna have a guaranteed contract. Yeah. You're probably gonna have a lot of G League assignments. Yeah, you know I think. I think a late first round pick is the best place for Jonte to go if he's going to go because he'll have a guaranteed deal. Yeah. He'll have no pressure to be the guy early on. He'll be in a culture of winning, so yeah. and he'll be around all these vets. Like if the Warriors, if the Rockets, especially with the way those teams shoot threes, right. the Spurs. Yeah. yeah, I think those teams would be the best case scenario for him. But granted, we just named three out of like thirty teams. Yeah, yeah. The odds wouldn't be in his favor, and. He doesn't have, you know, we talked about his age and his health and his stock right now and his uniqueness being the pros to him. I think the cons are that in workouts, he's only, you know, he doesn't have jump out of the gym athleticism like Mike. He doesn't have like a a college body even fully. I mean, he doesn't physically look that different from when I last saw him in high school. 
he like he, those those things won't bo- boost his stock any further. You know right. what I mean? Like if he has a great combine in terms of numbers, like right. I'd be stunned. Like, he's gonna he's have just, limited athleticism next year too. And exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I I just think with guys who like the biggest thing they have going for them is all the potential, then it probably never makes sense to come back and expose yourself to people downgrading that potential. Yeah. And, um, you know, sure, he probably wants that guaranteed contract, guaranteed money. Truth of the matter is, he also comes from, if, if you're really looking at it, he comes from a position where he can afford to take a little bit of a risk, and if he gets... Dad's uh, being paid His dad is the highest-paced coach on the staff. If, if he ends up just missing that first round... It's not. I mean, it's not a huge deal. Um, I, the biggest thing for me is is like he still, in the same way, his body seems kind of like young, and he still looks kind of young at times. Like he still the way when you talk to him, and and he's very smart uh, and and very you know gives you thoughtful responses and whatever. But but he does seem like he seems like a kid. Like I don't know how else to describe it other than just like the way he talks. He just kind of seems like you feel like you're talking to a kid, and uh, not like I'm super old either. But like I, but I just I do think that if you put someone like him in a situation where now they're not playing for their NBA team and they're playing for the D League team and and G League, sorry, G League team in McAllen, Texas, or Portland, Maine, or although Portland, Maine's a nice place, um, or you know, like wherever else, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, mm-hmm. etc. Like. With a bunch of guys who are just fighting to get into the league, like how does he handle that situation? And I don't know, and and I'm sure that's something that will probably come up in, in interviews with teams if he gets to that point. But I think that that is the big thing is is if he gets if he gets picked late in the first round, he's probably going to play in the G League somewhat. He's gonna, does he want to do that versus come back to Mizzou? Or does he want to have that experience, or would he rather just come back and hope maybe you know be a top ten pick the next year? I agree completely, and and the G League has changed rapidly in the last few years. You know, it's with these two way contracts and everything. It's become more of like a minor league yeah. system for teams. But you know, Jonte, and I don't mean this as a knock in any sense, but he hasn't really had to face a lot of adversity. You know, he hasn't had the injuries like Mike or his sisters have had, and. You know, he had, you know, foul issues and everything, but he hasn't had really any adversity in the sense that, like, he'll be going against guys that are would be happy just to take a 10-day contract. And this is, the, you know, they had to make this move to support their family, and this is their only shot. And I think that'd be interesting to kind of see how he's received and... How he handles that. Yeah. Yeah. I so I, I think it's going to be interesting with how this whole process plays out. I think he'll get invited to the Combine. Side note on Mike, I think, you know, historically, picks that are supposed to go as high as Mike usually don't go to the Combine because... They have nothing to gain. But yeah. I, I kind of wonder what's going to happen with Mike just because... Right. how much does he do and... And what happens with his medical records? Remember, Dennis Smith kind of held right. his records out with the Knicks and the Knicks didn't end up taking him and then he went to the Mavericks. I'm really kind of curious to see how this all plays out with them just because... Mike might have something to gain from having a good combine. He actually does have the athleticism. If he can have a crazy vertical like he did before the back surgery, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, he might be able to do himself some favors and maybe get his way back into the top five or better. So I think the whole draft process is going to be very interesting just because we don't and, – and on the Mizzou side – if Jonte goes, that leaves three open scholarships. Xavier Pinson will likely sign with Missouri within the next two weeks. So mm-hmm. 
that leaves two. Where do they go from there? Right. Well, and Courtney Ramey probably from Webster Groves is clearly a priority. So let's say they take one of those and then a grad transfer, right? But you're, no, there would be one more than that. They'd still, right, right, right. they'd still have one if more. If Johnson left, there'd be still one more in addition yes. to Pinson, Ramey, presume, assuming Ramey were to sign, and in addition to a grad transfer, right? So that, yes. there would still be one more. So, yeah, I mean, at that point, do you need some another person who's going to contribute right away, or do you try to take more of a a project y type type guy with that that scholarship? It's it's interesting because. Again, historically, you know, these guys that you kind of take as projects or late signees, they don't really work out. I mean, look at the guys Missouri has added right before summer school started. D'Angelo Allen, (laughs) Tremaine Isabel. Who did well this year. And he's an NBA draft. Jacoby Kemp. Right. (laughs) No, did not do well. Didn't didn't play a minute in college. (laughs) So, you know, do you get these guys to go at full scholarship and, you know, if you kick them off and you kick them off... Or do you just pocket that scholarship for 2019, which is going to be a huge class for Missouri, and just say, all right, you know, we'll play one down this year. You know, they do add Ronnie Suggs, who's a D1 player at Bradley that transferred to be a walk-on in Missouri. So he's he's better than your typical walk-on. Yeah, and they could roll with him maybe a bit. Obviously, he's not a big or at a position in need, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how Missouri shuffles all this, you know. Um, a coach once told me, which I think they make a very good point, if a player is on the market you know, this late in, in May, more so than April, because there are some unsigned guys in April, but in May, especially late May, there's usually not a good reason for right. it. Someone said, like, all right, we're not taking this guy, or someone got dismissed late in the semester. So I almost say you play one down. I mean, Missouri played with like four or five guys down this year, and, and they made the NCAA tournament. I don't know what you do with with a scholarship like that just because you have plenty of reason to take somebody the following year that – I mean the 2019 class is going to be huge for Conzo's program. So I don't know if it's worth it. If, are you going to you know, take a guy and, and put the time in and everything just to kick him off a year later potentially? I, I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah. You, it doesn't really make sense to take someone and then run him off. That's, that's a good point. Um and but it's kind of funny because like presumably that scholarship that you're talking about would be open one way or another the following year because John Taylor probably leave after his sophomore year. Yeah, but, that's um, true. But anyway, let's uh, let's shift gears here uh, and talk about spring football. Which oh wait, it was anything. Else well, I was just going to say you know with you talked on Ramey real quick. He recently announced the top ten, and then Louisville said they weren't recruiting him, which said, was in the top ten, and. Illinois just landed a commitment from the nation's top junior college point guard. So it's really like a top eight right now. Mark Smith is supposed to visit this weekend. Former Mizzou baseball commit. Turn of basketball. Blew up. Was the Mr. Basketball of Illinois. And went to Illinois. And Conzo really wanted him. He really recruited him hard when he took the job. Our people tell us that Ramey and Mark Smith won't play together. So it'd be interesting this weekend if Mark Smith says to Conzo, I want to commit, you know, what do they do? Right. Do they say, hold that thought? <laughs> or do they say, you know what, we... we Want you to. Yeah, yeah. we did what we did with Ramey. We, we gave it our shot, you know. We're not, you know, you can only let this process play out so much more until you risk losing someone right. else. You know, what do you do? So 
a lot of interesting things to watch with with the basketball team, even though the season ended a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. A- and if Jonte does stay in the draft, what happens to Mr. Highest Paid Assistant, yeah, Michael Porter Senior? And who is the new assistant? And does everyone else get a raise? Um, a lot, of, a lot of interesting stuff. Um, but for now, we'll we'll let you see how that plays out. Uh, I'm sure if Ramey signs, uh, we'll do some sort of podcast again. But. Uh, let's talk about football real quick, because spring game is coming up this weekend, which means spring football is almost over, which... Means we don't have to uh, wake up really early. Yeah, which which I shouldn't complain. I mean, I'm not actually working out in the morning like those guys are, but, uh, but, but, yeah, okay, all right, whatever. (laughs) Um, but anyway, like, I, I guess, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's, it's gone on for a month now, spring football, and, like, it's some version of the same thought the whole time is like oh how's this offense going and I think and we were talking today with Derek Dooley the new offensive coordinator and he even said like all right are you guys gonna want to ask me about the offense for the 6,000th time uh and he was joking a little bit I think uh but um but no it is so I guess here we'll just say this the the new offense uh seems a lot like the old offense uh a lot of a lot of shotgun a lot of spread out stuff um Tight ends are maybe on the line of scrimmage a little more. Uh, see the occasional snap from under center. Uh, the occasional, like, pistol formation. Uh, that's kind of it. I, I don't know what more there is to glean from this. Yeah, it's been interesting, too, because a lot of the players have said how Josh Heupel's offense didn't really ask a lot of them, whether it be Drew saying the receivers had less than 12 routes or the O-linemen saying they got away with bad technique. Because they only had to hold the line for like a couple seconds because yeah. they got rid of the ball so quick. And yet, a lot of that stuff is kind of staying intact too. So, you know, it's, it makes you wonder a little bit about Josh Heupel's offense and how good it is in terms of player development and, and preparing you for the NFL. But at the same time, if Missouri is keeping a lot of that, it's like, well, you can knock it, but... Clearly still- it was effective and you liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's an interesting relationship and dynamic with all that because, you know, even Drew Locke himself said, like, two questions after saying, yeah, we only had less than 12 routes for our receivers, and it was a little bit of guesswork as to what they're doing. He also said, well, you know, we're keeping some of it. We scored a lot of points. Right. It's like, so, you know, yeah. it's like they're between worlds. They don't know what they want. Right. And so I guess that will be kind of, to some degree, what there is to watch in this spring game. Um, just what do they use and whatnot. But Derek Dooley also said today, I mean, you're it's on national TV, so you're not gonna you're not gonna give everything away in, in, the, in the spring game that counts for nothing. Um, so it might be a little bit more generic play calling, but I guess we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll see uh, some exciting plays from under center. Uh, otherwise, um, I don't know. I, I guess the that has been kind of intriguing. Just the the amount more that these guys are, seem to have to think, or the amount more of, like intellectual responsibilities they all have. In one form or another, whether it's every offensive lineman having to make some sort of call, wide receivers having to know 100-plus routes, um, Locke having to read the whole field um, and have a whole lot more sort of verbiage in his playbook. Um, and I guess on defense, I mean, they're switching the, the defensive fronts too, uh, somewhat experimenting with that. So that's kind of what there is to to watch from there. I, I don't mean to sound kind of like a um, – what is it? Like a downer, but I guess it's like yeah. – there's nothing to be like, oh, this guy's really stood out in spring practice. I mean, it's kind of like they're all doing the same drills, you know, so. Yeah, my, you know, you kind of said they bring, they bring back essentially the entire offense, and nothing really is curious to me about that, because we won't really see what the new offense looks like until they so, take the field. Right. 
Defensively, I mean, they have all these bodies on the line. I'd, I'm kind of curious to see how Antar Thompson and Jordan Elliott look. Yeah. And if those guys look good, I think that, that means a lot for Missouri's defense going forward. I mean, the linebackers, they have a really veteran core with Brandon Lee, Therese Hall, and Kale Garrett. To me, the only question of concern, really, with the defense is the secondary because yeah. we assume Caleb Pruitt will never play for Missouri yeah. ever again. And the secondary was bad last year, too. Yes. When they had two more veterans. Safeties. Yeah, they Pruitt lose probably. Caleb Pruitt, they lose Anthony Sherrill to graduation, and they're bringing in a grad transfer from Oregon, who we won't even see yeah. until the summer. They are, and on the offense, they're bringing in Alex Ofadale yeah. from Oregon. Yeah. And then they bring back Christian Holmes, who lost the entire year to shoulder surgery. They bring back DeMarcus Acey. Bring and back after, Adam Sparks. Bring back Adam Sparks, who had some good games last Cam year. Cam Hilton did some stuff at Nickel. But yeah, I mean, safety. Josh Bledsoe showed some flashes. Yeah. But they're but, pretty wide open at safety. Yeah, so to me, yeah. the secondary is really the only question I have about the spring game and see who they go with and how they look. But then after that, it's like, well, this whole thing, they rearranged the secondary last year and kind of switched Anthony Sherrills to make him the top safety. Right. And and they moved Pruitt to nickel, I want to yeah. say, right? Um, and Well, initially it was a linebacker in that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, that was a mess. But... Um, <laughs> But it wasn't until they made that change that you really start to see them play better. Right. And you lose Pruitt and, and Sherrills, and whatever they look like on Saturday might get jumbled up if this grad transfer comes in and shakes some things up. So, yeah, it's kind of like the shrug emoji. You said that to be a downer. It's kind of like, yeah. eh, I mean, yeah. the spring game Saturday, I think people might be a little more interested in the construction going on in the south end zone. Yes. If they're do- It'd be stupid it if they construction during the weird. game. Yeah. yeah. It to me the my big takeaway from watching the construction today during practice. <laughs> take away, yeah. I mean, we were watching practice, but yeah. you know, was that like? I don't think you realize how big the construction site is until you see right. like the entire size of it. Like, I knew that complex was going to be big, and you know, obviously, an upgrade from what they had back there. But like, that building is going to be gigantic. Yeah, yeah. Today, while sitting, standing there was like, uh, when uh, a game that's you know not close to sold out, like or in the past wouldn't have been close to sold out, like fifty eight thousand people or sixty two thousand people or something, like it's gonna feel really full because uh, they're gonna be more tightly packed in the the stands that are available. Yeah, but, I agree. I, I'm interested to see how that is. I think attendance is gonna be kind of a what to watch for thing next season, just because they returned Drew Locke. In-state kid, legacy, who could be a Heisman candidate yeah. if things go well. They are missing, I don't know the exact fraction of seats, but they're missing a significant a lot, part yeah. of their, their stadium. They did make a bowl game last year and finished with a winning record. And they do have some interesting games like Memphis and, and whatnot. It's going to be very interesting to kind of see what attendance is like because you, you'd think with the missing bleachers – they should be nearly full every game. Right. Even if it's like a, a lower opponent, just because you take the dispersed people and put them in different places, it should be a full house every game. But, but, yeah, but, we'll <laughs> but this is kind of a fan base that's kind of proven like, okay, win first and then right. we'll come right. to the game. Absolutely. So, or don't start one in five and then we'll come to the games. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about uh, before we get out of here? No, nah, not really. I mean, I you know, I think we'll kind of have another pod in a couple of weeks probably when we see yeah. some things on Jonte. We might be at the NBA Draft Combine. Yeah. 
Maybe there's some some guests we can get there. Yeah. Um, we don't know who fully is going to be invited from Missouri. Maybe if Cassius or, or Barnett's there, we can maybe get them on as yeah. a guest or something. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, if you guys have guest suggestions, by the way, send them uh, send them our way. Yeah, uh, whether it's a, a coach on campus or former or, player, or former player, current player, anything like that. Um, but yeah, go ahead and uh, if you haven't already, please like our Facebook page, uh, Mizzou Zone. It's uh, where you can get all the stars, uh, Mizzou content. There's also a iPhone app or iTunes app uh, called Mizzou Zone as well. Hoping to get that on uh, Android soon. Um, nothing else to really plug, I guess, other than uh, we might go live maybe for yeah. the spring game afterwards. Do a yeah, post we'll spring game Facebook live. Yeah, probably. Um, and yeah, that's that's all for now. Thanks for listening. You got this far, 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 you got this far.